Welcome to a special EduTech Guys presentation recorded live at FETC 2022 in Orlando, Florida. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, welcome back to FETC 2022. It's been a great day. Really exciting. Lots of folks. Uh, everybody's real excited to be here. We're excited to be here. And we're, yeah. we're very excited to have our next guest sitting in the seat. We're going to let him introduce himself, tell us who he is, what he does, and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Yeah, great to be with you guys. Uh, I've been listening to some of the podcasts, and it just sounds like a lot of energy. So my name is uh, Mike Gaskell. I'm a middle school principal in New Jersey, East Brunswick specifically. And uh, I've been uh, writing since 2018. I wrote about 30 articles, uh, which have been published on, you know, ASCD Smart Brief and some other good sources. Yeah. And made some most read se uh, sections. And what's nice about that is when you start to write like that, suddenly people start to think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with that angle because it works for me. Um, we, we get that. Yeah. We get that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> your podcast. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and then I got a chance to uh, publish a couple books. My last book just came out in September. It's called Leading Schools Through Trauma, which is obviously timely. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the focus of my presentation today is a big section in the book. It's on how to engage kids stress-free with gamification tools and measure their progress without making them feel like they're, they're being taxed or tested. Yeah, there, there's so much going on in that area right now. It's great. We've, we've had a lot of guests. And what's great is each one is distinct and different. Right. We but can offer a little bit of something each. Yeah. There's so much grass in the field, everybody can graze. You know, it's one of those kind of things. So uh, give our listeners a, a kind of a bird's eye overview of, of you know, what you're bringing here to FETC. Absolutely. So a gamification, of course, is such a generic and, and often used term that we kind of say, well, what do you mean by that? And we almost have like three or four different definitions right off the books. So what I like to refer to in terms of gamification is the concept that we're using tools that are very popular for kids in school, such as Kahoot and Pear Deck and Nearpod and Class Kick and some of these that are very common and popular. And when oftentimes you hear a teacher say, we're going to do a game and, the, and we're going to do a Kahoot or this or that, and the kids go, oh, let's do this, and they jump right in. So right away you've gotten motivation and, and engagement, right? Because it's a competition-based thing, and they don't feel like it's a test. It's it's a it's a fun activity that's engaging. So that's one thing. The second part, and this is where I spent a lot of my time on, in terms of employing gamification, is the concept of exporting data and using that data to then measure their progress, and more importantly, share that progress with them. Because a lot of times kids don't see those micro jumps, right. and when you start to measure that over time with an easy tool, because you can uh, download all of, from all of these sites uh, with Excel or Sheets, Google Sheets, and easily measure and then share that with them in a visual format. This is very motivating for kids, and boy, do they need that more than ever now. Well, and, and I have to tell you, I, in, as far as my memory goes, and Jeff can definitely chime in if, if I'm wrong, I don't think we've talked to anybody who's who's been talking about gamification who talks about getting that data to the students themselves right that's fantastic yeah. that's pro ironically probably the most important part of it because they need to see we need to be transparent with them and we know that it's very empowering they're seeing their own progress and it's this remarkably imperfect upward curve right. that they're demonstrating so they're seeing it's like a stock market chart it's all over the place but over time Hey, I'm moving up, yeah, and I can see that, and that's a very powerful visual for for children. Well, and it's not, and, and we lost this years ago. Um, I, I was a band director forever, and way back in the very early days, we had stars on boards, and we had that kind of stuff, you know. And and, and it is a competition, but it's a competition kids know can change daily. It's not like a test. Right. It's it's something that it's it's just that little bit of you know of, of leveling up 
that they can share with everyone around them. And, and that's what we're getting back to with gamification. It's like, okay, now I can level up. And David's not always going to beat me. Or David's not even number one, but I can level up to him and that kind of thing. So he, he does always beat me, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I don't know what the competition is, yeah. but I'm sure. But I've heard you guys riff on each other, so I know yeah. that. <laughs> so that's okay. That's okay. That, that, that makes for good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing about gamification is, is kids connect right away with the digital world in ways that, at least in my generation, we do not. So they, there's a comfort, ironically, that comes with this mm -hmm. because they can connect to it right away. So they see it as more of a fun pursuit. They see it as more of uh, their world mm -hmm. than paper and pencil. Do you, do you find one platform or one gaming aspect compared, you know, like a, a Kahoot compared to a, a trivia game compared to a... Um, a, a, like a game like Prodigy Math, where we're you know yeah. Elves so and full stuff. disclosure, I'm yeah. not making any money off of this. Yeah, from those companies, but I do like all of them, and I, I tend to offer a menu. I go on what I call a tour of like the four or five most popular ones, and yeah. I just named a few of them. The one that my school uses is Pear Deck, and there is a subscription-based component. Sure. Most of these are freemium models where you can get a lot of things out of it, but then if you want a little bit more, you got to pay. And that, that's a typical standard. That's how uh, these companies are making, uh, sure. you know, they're, you know, managing their uh, finances. But in terms of, uh, you know, to me, I always like to say to people, the one that works for you, if you're already comfortable with Kahoot or Nearpod or whatever that mechanism is, then just use it. Yeah. Because the kids are going to jump into it right away anyway, regardless what platform you're using. It's it's us as the teachers and educators that need to be familiar and comfortable with, with whatever platform we choose. Well, and, and that is so funny that that applies, at least in my experience, that applies across the board in, in terms of any, really any technology. Students, you know, kids are device and platform agnostic. They don't care. It doesn't matter. It's it's on the phone. It's on a tablet. It's on you know. It, it, it's on the laptop. It, it's on a desktop. It doesn't matter. Is it Nearpod? Is it Kahoot? It doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. We're you know we're we're doing this. We're engaging in this. We're taking part. It's. It's the rest of us. It's it's the older folks of us, you know. And and I don't mean that like you know we're old fogies. You I just can mean call me old. That's all right. Well, well I, hey, I'm I'm, I'm sure old. I'm older than you. So, <laughs> I, you know, but but it's not just age is not necessarily it at all. I think a big part of it is um, those of us in certain roles uh, tend to not necessarily be as open to being agnostic. And like you said, I don't care what you're already using. If you're comfortable in this, use that. Uh, but if you're open to trying other platforms and, and experimenting, then go forth and do that as well. Yeah, and when I offer this menu, that gives them that comfort level because you can export this data mm. that I was talking about earlier as ironically you know, the most important thing to share with the kids. Mm -hmm. in, in any of these platforms, it's standard format now. You can easily drag it down to an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet, and you've got access to it. I like that because then you can turn it into a more printer-friendly option that you can either digitize and store somewhere and or print out and show the children yeah. their progress. Do, do you find your teachers also having some aha moments when they look at that and go, well, that's odd. Jeff is a terrible student, Yeah. but he's really, when we do this, he's like on top of it. Do you, do you catch a lot of that? So this is the neat part about it. Yeah. You, they, they both zoom out and look at patterns of responses uh -huh. uh, and identify where there's easily you can see that there was a lot of kids who got something wrong that they need, then need to go back and reteach for whatever reason or determine why they're, they're not understanding that concept. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, this more specific angle that you were just talking about, which is 
recognizing that kids have strengths that may sneak up on them. And then what's great about that is they can build on those strengths to really positively reinforce to the children, which again, I get back to that small wins concept. There's, that's a win-win right there. Yeah, yeah, tremendously. So it's interesting, uh, how is the adoption rate amongst teachers? That's, that's what I'd love to know. I'm seeing a lot of interest in my own school. Of course, I'm the principal, so it's easy for me to say, guess what we're going to do for our school goal this year? You know, that's the, that they're voluntold, as, as they tell me. It's good to be king. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But actually, in my school and our district, they are allowed to choose their own uh, professional development goal for the year, which is nice. I tend to see about 90% of them go with, with this goal. Yeah. So that tells me something. And then secondly, when I've gone out uh, at a statewide conference and presented about this, I actually turned key to, to a lot of other building administrators, and they got excited about sharing it. My general experience outside of my building with teachers is this is great. I wish my principal was teaching us yeah. this. Right, yeah. <laughs> I wish my principal would volunteer, volunteer us me, to do right? this. Yeah, you know. So let's talk trauma. Let's, let's run that other, other direction. Um, tell us what you've learned. Tell us what you can share with us that our listeners would go, that's the one thing I need to hear because I'm on the right track or I'm not on the right track. So I'm going to surprise you here, and I think the most inspiring thing is that the thing I've learned, the best part of it and the most significant is post-traumatic growth that there's so much evidence of this out there that we shouldn't be ignoring it. And perfect examples of that are things like uh, Hurricane Katrina, the kids of Katrina. If you Google this, you can see some of the amazing stories from there. You think about uh, the Holocaust and the survivors who were expected to be institutionalized, and yet they moved to places like America and led, led extremely productive lives. Yeah. And the list goes on. There's tons of these stories. I want to tell one really quick one that's really yeah. cool. Emmy Weirner is this kind of nerdy, cool researcher who back in the 50s through the 90s, 40 plus years, did a longitudinal study with kids on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. And if you know anything about that area, it's a pretty isolated part of Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, one road all the way around. Exactly. There's like yep. one light. Uh, they're, they're pretty poor, mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of overall demographics in comparison. Uh, and, you know, the kids are more likely to be at risk. So they had about 800 births one year, which sounded like a lot for me for, for one island, but I guess they were having a good year. Um, and uh, they had about 800 births this, back in the 50s, and she decided to track these newborns until they were in their 40s. And about a third of these kids were identified immediately as highly at risk. They were expected to fail. They were expected to go to jail. They were expected to struggle. They were expected to be addicts, all the terrible things. Of that group, one third of that group, so we're talking about 80 kids now, demonstrated remarkable resilience and they were showing the ability to be highly successful in life. Not just successful, but high, to have normal lives, to have families, to have careers, and to do the things that we hope someone will aspire to do. And the reason that that happened was three specific factors. One is they were able to find a, a mentor or a surrogate parent because unfortunately in most cases their parents were not uh, there or, or you know, it helping them. Mm -hmm. The second thing was an affiliation like a team or a church or any kind of a group that they could get positively connected to. And then the third thing was some internal resilience. So what's really cool about this is now there's research that shows us we can actually teach kids to develop internal resilience even if they don't have it. Wow. Wow. So that's neat. To, that's that's uh, that's great to hear. You know, the the one thing though I'll say is the third thing we did, the fourth thing we didn't hear was public education. So public education <laughs> is huge for that because oh, I forgot about the uh, the uh, mentor component. Many of those mentors, by the way, were teachers. Oh, there you go. So, so sold. There you go. So you, you answered the I question. Well, I have to say uh, that island of Kauai, that's where Charo's restaurant is. Most people wouldn't know who Charo is, oh, but okay. yeah, anyway. So just, <laughs> Jeff knows a lot of stuff that's ridiculous. Very cool <laughs> trivia. Thank you. I'm going to look that up. I'm going to Google it. 
So my question then, uh, getting back to the topic. Sorry. <laughs> so, but, uh, so talk about then what what your takeaway is from that study to apply that to the students that you work with in your building. We'll, yeah. we'll start that focus. It's like we planned this because it's a great segue. <laughs> um, so in the book, I talk about how you reference a study like that, and I reference a few other studies that reinforce this, and more or less... Then I took the steps to say, okay, let's talk about the small wins I mentioned earlier, building on these. Let's talk about getting kids to quiet their hyperactive mind. Let's talk about eliminating some of the stimuli that's disrupting them. No wonder kids are traumatized. They just went through a pandemic, which I never went through before, mm. and they're kids. And secondly, they've got all this social media stimuli that's disrupting them, blue light that's impacting them. So there's research on showing how to uh, re significantly reduce something as simple as buying a, a, a thing for your phone, a screen thing that you can buy as cheap as anything, and it blocks you know, most of the blue light out so that you can rest well at night. And yep. we know kids are not resting well enough. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much of this kind of evidence, even listening to coffeehouse chatter, believe it or not, there's a study that shows that that helps people, not just kids, get in the zone. So my teachers are now doing this too, because I told them, and they're so focused and in this deep work mindset that they're able to actually feel productive and then they feel better about themselves. So it's this cycle that continues to reinforce itself. And that's a really cool thing. If you go on, you know, YouTube and just say coffeehouse sounds, you can, there's yeah. like 10 hours like yeah. you know those things <laughs> yeah. and th that's because it puts you in this sweet spot where your theta brainwaves are activated and it's just remarkable so there's these little tricks and tips and they only take about five minutes each even breathing techniques will help kids so there's all these tech and non-tech things you can employ and i talk about stacking these ideas in terms of reducing that trauma and it works cool yeah that's really cool so Anything here you're looking forward to at FETC? Like, you, I've got to go see this and this person and these things. I think my favorite thing is is networking. I have a you know a book signing or a, a meet the author mm -hmm. uh, after my presentation, which is shortly after this. Yeah, I love doing presentations and then you know dialogue and giving some, a chance to have a conversation. And I was really looking forward to meeting you guys because I I laugh when I listen to you guys, awesome. and I mean that in a good way. Like yeah. I'm entertained, <laughs> but I'm also learning. Yeah, we hope sure you do. Expectations. Sure. That's yeah. <laughs> That's right. He definitely did. Awesome. That's really great. Hey, well, um, if anyone's out there, our listeners, and they want to find out how to steal your stuff, uh, find out more about you, you know, get to be your best friend, uh, what, what would they do? I'd be glad to share. So you can find me on Twitter at Gaskell M. Gaskell. That's G-A-S-K-E-L-L-M. And then repeat Gaskell. I don't know why it's twice, uh, but it is. Uh, and then, of course, I'm also on Facebook. and I have a website, microminute.com. Uh, and Instagram, mgaskell0. But the main one is Twitter, Gaskell M. Gaskell. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Hey, well, thank you for sitting down with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Have guys. a great FETC. Likewise. You've been listening to a special EduTech Guys presentation recorded live at FETC 2022 in Orlando, Florida. Thanks for listening.